Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for, what the hell? So my phone just made a sound that I've never heard it make. What the, ah, okay, no, it was Podbean making that sound. Congratulations on 100,000 downloads. Achievements. Well, thanks, Podbean, for that. But... Not to brag or anything, but I've had 350,000 downloads to this podcast. 350,000 downloads. That's pretty good, isn't it, for a podcast about old books. I'm proud of that. Anyway, a um, little interruption there from Podbean. Book 7, Chapter 11 of War and Peace. In this chapter, the focus is laid upon Palagaya's reaction of the mummers instead of the reaction of the children. What do you think of this decision? Would you like to have seen the focus laid upon the children's reactions, or do you like it this way? Um, I think it was a good decision, you know, because we wanted to see... We wanted to know the um, effectiveness of their costumes and their prank so I think it was good to see that from a, from a third party, third person point of view. After Nikolai goes outside, he sees laying on his path some stacked firewood, which casts shadows of bare old lindens intertwining. The path leads to the barn, which gleams as if cut from some precious stone. Do you think Tolstoy added this for any particular reason? After reading the last line of the chapter, do you think they want to keep it a secret that they were outside together? And if so, why? Um, I think maybe he did add that those details for a reason, just that he was aware of sort of the beauty of the night. Um, seems like they're all kind of high on life, doesn't it? It seems like they're all drunk, tipsy, but I think they're just having a great night. Um, Karakikas says, wow, I really, I was really losing the plot during the hunt. I was worried with the nice weather and my flagging interest I was going to drop out, but now we're back with threats of social ruin, odd social customs and budding love. Just like that, the book has me again. Oh, that's good to know. Um, it was a great chapter. I really like that chapter. I like this section of the book. It's, I like the hunt, you know, and all this kind of Rostov, because for me, I just think of it as like the Rostov's little last bit of childhood almost including the hunt and everything like that I, I like it all uh, Twisted Every Way says I seriously hope this is the last time Nikolai makes up his mind about Sonia lol there was a lot of symbolism in this chapter for them and somewhat romantic scene with the snow and the gleaming barn as for the last line I assume they are still trying to hide it a bit since his parents don't approve yeah I think they are what do you think happened, by the way? Do you think they got it on in that barn or just had a kiss? It seems like I reckon they might have got it on. Man, they might have got it on. Yo. Fragrant Squirrel says, As much as that was a sweet moment between Nikolai and Sonia, and as much as he thinks he loves her, I don't trust it. I have a feeling we will see some drama between them and Natasha and Andre. I don't think it will all come together that smoothly. It was an interesting chapter with some strange customs. The Kareshi says, did they hook up in the barn? I think they did. Starfire Galaxy says, uh, I liked Pelagay's reaction, but I wouldn't be. it would have been nicer to include the children's reaction. 
The imagery could be symbolic of life being dismal, but you, excuse me, <clears throat> you can still find good things amongst it if you choose to look at it that way. And um, yes, Tolstoy, they did want to keep it a secret because the past few chapters has Nikolai acting like carefree again and he's falling in love with Sonia for the 1,000th time in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, poor old Sonia. You know, you kind of just feel like she has no agency, right? She's just at the whim of everyone else. She's at the whim of all the Rostovs. Um, all right, chapter 12. Chapter 12 goes like this. When they all drove back from Pelagea, Danilovna's, Natasha, who was, who always saw and noticed everything, arranged that she and Madame Schoss should go back in the sleigh with Dimla and Sonia with Nicholas and the maids. On the way back, Nicholas drove at a steady pace instead of racing and kept peering by that fantastic all-transforming light into Sonia's face and searching beneath the eyebrows and moustache for his former and his present Sonia, from whom he had resolved never to be parted again. He looked and recognising in her both the old and the new Sonia, and being reminded by the smell of burnt cork of the sensation of her kiss, inhaled the frosty air with a full breast, and looking at the ground flying beneath him and at the sparkling sky, he felt himself again in fairyland. Sonia, is it well with thee? he asked from time to time. Yes, she replied, and with thee? When halfway home, Nicholas handed the reins to the coachman and ran for a moment to Natasha's sleigh and stood on its wing. Natasha, he whispered in French, do you know I have made up my mind about Sonia? Have you told her? asked Natasha, suddenly beaming all over with joy. Oh, how strange you are with that moustache and those eyebrows, Natasha. Are you glad? I'm so glad, so glad. I was beginning to be vexed with you. I did not tell you, but you have been treating her badly. What a heart she has, Nicholas. I am horrid sometimes, but I was ashamed to be happy while Sonia was not, continued Natasha. Now I am so glad. Well, run back to her. No, wait a bit. Oh, how funny you look, cried Nicholas, peering into her face and finding in his sister too something new, unusual and bewitchingly tender that he had not seen in her before. Natasha, it's magical, isn't it? Yes, she replied. You've done splendidly. Had I seen her before as she is now, thought Nicholas, I should long ago have asked her what to do and have done whatever she told me, and all would have been well. So you are glad and I have done right? Oh, quite right. I had a quarrel with Mamma some time ago about it. Mamma said she was angling for you. How could she say such a thing? I nearly stormed at Mamma. I will never let anyone say anything bad of Sonia, for there is nothing but good in her. Then it's all right, said Nicholas, again scrutinising and express the expression of his sister's face to see if she was in earnest. Then he jumped down and his boots scrunching the snow ran back to his sleigh. The same heavy, f smiling Circassian with moustache and beaming eyes looked up from under a sable hood. He was sitting there, and that Circassian was Sonia, and that Sonia was certainly his future happy and loving wife. When they reached home, and he told their mother how they had spent the evening at the, Mer uh, the Melyukovs, the girls went to their bedroom. When they had undressed, but without washing off the cork moustaches, they sat a long time talking of their happiness. They talked of how they would live when they were married, how their husbands would be friends, and how happy they would be. Uh, on Natasha's table stood two looking-glasses which Danusha had prepared beforehand. Only 
When will all that be? I'm afraid never. It would be too good, said Natasha, rising and going to the looking glass. Sit down, Natasha. Perhaps you'll see him, said Sonia. Natasha lit the candles, one on each side of one of the looking glasses, and sat down. I see someone with a moustache, said Natasha, seeing her own face. You mustn't laugh, miss, said Danusha. With Sonia's help and the maids, Natasha got the glass. She held into the right position opposite the other. Her face assumed a serious expression and she sat silent. She sat a long time looking at the receding line of candles reflected in the glasses and expecting, from tales she had heard, to see a coffin or him, Prince Andre, Andre in the last dim, indistinctly outlined square. But ready as she was to take the smallest speck of the image of a man or of a coffin, she saw nothing. She began blinking rapidly and moved away from the looking glasses. Why is it others see things and I don't, she said. You sit down now, Sonia. You must, you absolutely must, tonight. Do it for me. Today I feel so frightened. Sonia sat down before the glasses, got to the right position and began looking. Now, Miss Sonia, he's sure to see something, whispered Danyasha. While you do nothing but laugh. Sonia heard this and Natasha's whisper. I know she will. She saw something last year. For about three minutes all was silent. Of course she will, whispered Natasha, but did not finish. Suddenly, Sonia pushed away the glasses she was holding and covered her eyes with her hand. Oh, Natasha, she cried. Did you see? Did you? What was it? exclaimed Natasha, holding up the looking glasses. Sonia had not seen anything. She was just wanting to blink and to get up when she heard Natasha say, of course she will. She did not wish to disappoint either Danyasha or Natasha, but it was hard to sit still. She did not herself know how or why the exclamation escaped her when she covered her eyes. You saw him, urged Natasha, seizing her hand. Yes, wait a bit, I saw him, Sonia could not help saying, not yet knowing whom Natasha meant by him, Nicholas or Prince Andre. But why shouldn't I say I saw something? Others do see. Besides, who can tell whether I saw anything or not? Flashed through Sonia's mind. Yes, I saw him, she said. How? Standing or lying? No, I saw at first there was nothing. Then I saw him lying down. Andrew lying? Is he ill? Asked Natasha, her frightened eyes fixed on her friend. No, on the contrary, on the contrary. His face was cheerful, and he turned to me. And when saying this, she herself fancied that she had really seen what she described. Well, and then, Sonia? After that, I could not make out what there was. Something blue and red. Sonia, when will he be back? When shall I see him? Oh, God, how afraid I am for him, and for myself, and about everything. Natasha began, and without replying to Sonia's words of comfort, she got into bed, and long after her candle was out, lay open-eyed and motionless, gazing at the moonlight through the frosty window panes. All right, there's a chapter for you. Chapter 12, I think. Let me just double check something. Book 7, chapter 12. Yeah, we've got one more, book, uh, one more chapter in book 7. So tomorrow's the final chapter of book 7. That's exciting, I guess. I feel like that'll be the end of this little Rostov's final hurrah of, of childhood. You, you know, you really get the sense from these chapters that we're rounding on the end of their youth. Right? 
Oh, dear. All right, I'll see you for that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye.